Hi, I'm Sarah Baker. Welcome to Mama Stories. I created Mama Stories after seeing how impactful sharing stories can be in overcoming the challenges of motherhood. I am where I am today because of the stories of so many amazing strong mamas. And I want to share that with anyone I can. So follow along to laugh, cry, and be empowered. Welcome to the show. Today we have Cynthia here with us. Cynthia, thanks for joining us. Wonderful to be here, Sarah. Well, for those of us who don't know Cynthia, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? Okay. So my name again is Cynthia Klein, and I'm what's considered a parenting expert. So I work with parents uh, individually, helping them improve their relationships with their kids. I also do a lot of public speaking to groups. I also am an author about parenting work as well. And so my mission is to, is, is to help create greater harmony in families. Um, my past, I was an elementary school teacher. Before that, I got my degree in psychology, but I've always been an educator. So I'm here to help parents understand more about themselves and how they be, can become a parent that they really feel confident. Awesome. Okay. So parent expert, parent educator, what is that? Like if you were to explain that to somebody, what is that? You know, I was thinking about that today and I I think an analogy, I think of if you got your child a tutor. So let's say, you know, your child's in school, they're in class, and there's a couple subjects that they kind of need individual help with. So you would hire or take them to a tutor. So that person will give them one-on-one help. And so really as a parenting expert, you can go and see us as in a group, like I teach a lot at schools, Mm. or you can also see us one-on-one as like a, a tutor. And what's important for a parent to actually come to a parenting expert privately, we need to get out of the belief that you should know how to raise your kids that if you don't know that something's wrong with you. And this is a barrier that a lot of parents have mm-hmm. to getting the that they need. Well, I can, I can tell you I've had to overcome that barrier. And I've have, I would say I have to overcome it most days, just reminding myself that, you know, I should have a little bit more grace because it's not that I'm really well-trained in this subject as we might think that we are when it comes to parenting and its everyday struggles. Yeah. You know, we only, we parent the way we learned, right? Mm-hmm. Like any subject, anything that we learned, we, we know we learn from seeing action. So how we were raised as kids, that's how we learned to parent or, uh, you know, parents kind of pass it down. So that's how it was always taught, right? A mother would teach the child, the daughter or the son, more the daughter, how to raise children to be a certain way in a society. Mm-hmm. However, well, yeah, it's changing now. Society is changing now. For sure. Well, and I will say many generations ago, that worked because you kind of just were in your own bubble and in your own space, and you could really live in your home and make decisions for your family. And I think today we live in a world where our life, whether we choose to or not, is really on display with social media, 
or we have access to other people's lives, or there's all these different types of theories and educations. And, and so now it's like, you know, it's not as easy to really have that, like, okay, I'm just going to do what's best in between my four walls. Cause I guess the benefit is we have all this information, but then the hurdle is what do I do with all this information and how do I implement it into my life? Yeah. It isn't like a group. Everybody believes in the same way of raising children. Right. You see. So now we're like looking at, Oh, it doesn't have to be this way. And so now as a parent, we can start, to, we think, well, psychology started, you know, um, gosh, in the 50s, 60s, right before then, there really wasn't self-reflection. So now we're in the age of tremendous self-reflection. We don't just do the way things were done before, right? We're looking at how do I improve it? So every parent will say, well, okay, I like this way that I was raised, but I don't like these ways. So how do I change it? So they you know, a lot of parents will say, well, I don't want to act that way. I don't want to be yelling at my kids. However, they don't know how to replace it. Yeah. And that's how I come in. Yeah. Well, and that's really cool. I'm, I'm excited. I know later on in the episode, we're going to get a little taste uh, of more of what you um, do as a parent expert. But I just think it's cool to even have people like you in this profession that are helping us with that reflection. Because, I just think there's so much on our pa- our plates as parents and there's so much in the world and advice. And I mean, just how anybody can even take that in. I mean, you have to have some sort of sounding board, I would say, outside of your family to really analyze what it is that you want to change, right? Like some of that stuff that we were taught when we were kids and that has now come into our parenting is almost so ingrained in us that we might not even notice it. So it yeah. takes a lot yeah, you of time. Don't. So you mentioned that you wrote a book. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your book um, and just kind of the general idea of the book. And then I know we'll dive a little bit more into that later. Okay. Okay. So I've been working with parents uh, about 26 years now, as I said, as a speaker and as a private coach. And so I'm working with all these parents and I needed to write things down. So I started writing um, articles for a parenting magazine and then people kept asking me, my clients kept asking me, when are you going to write a book? When are you mm-hmm. write a book? Because basically they needed, they liked the way I was presenting things and they needed um, it to be written down. So I wrote, it's called Ally Parenting, A-L-L-Y, not Ally, Ally Parenting, a non-adversarial approach to transform conflict into cooperation. Because I really saw working with parents, some were a lot of them were adversarial with their kids. Like they blamed their kids. They saw their kids as negative in a negative way. And they were always trying to change their children. And that wasn't helping. So with this book, Ally Parenting, which you can find on Amazon, it's an audible and soft cover and also e-book as well. What it is, it's a guide to teach what you, what language is effective. So I work on language. What are the words you're saying? Are they effective or not? And I help parents in three areas of communication with their children. So I help them as a director. So when you're trying to get your kids to do something they don't want to do, such as cleaning the bathroom, (laughs) you have to to use certain language. You don't have to, but I recommend certain language that will help um, get your, um, your request or your, your intention across in a more effective way. 
And then there's times that you need to be a collaborator with your kids where you need to solve problems together. So I teach parents language that seems to be effective. And then the third area is as a supporter, when your child is having their own struggles, what kind of language can you use to support your child? And we'll actually be talking more about this later in the skit we're going to do as a supporter. So it's, it's all about um, figuring out what you're doing that's not working. So I have in the beginning of the book, I have an evaluation tool. So important. You don't want to just try this, all these different strategies. I have a teach an evaluation tool one by one so you can figure out what is it that I'm not, I'm not doing just right. And then I teach specific, very specific skills, um, language, a lot of language, what works and what doesn't work. And it's great. Short chapters get to the point and men love it. Mm. Well, and that's always perfect for a parent's brain, right? It's like <laughs> as much as we can take on with the lack of time that we have sometimes. <laughs> well, during this time, you mentioned a lot about the different things that you do in your work and like teaching and, you know, obviously your one-on-one time with your clients and all of that. So obviously in our current climate, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. How has your business changed and adapted to what we have right now? You know, it's, it's interesting. I was talking to somebody about that today and what it's, What's happened is because parents are with their kids so much now, any of the issues that they had before are becoming more and more pronounced. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> like, I bet. So, right. And this actually because they're more pronounced and you're with your kids more, this is the perfect time to actually get parenting help and guidance because you have so many opportunities to try the new strategies out with your kids. Yeah. And so I, I, I would say the biggest thing is, is that it's, you're just stuck with them so much that what it hasn't been working before becomes very clear and that it's an opportunity. I was, uh, yeah. And, and I guess the other thing, that's why we're going to use the supporter role in our skit is that kids are really um, struggling and parents are struggling and for parents to learn how to really listen to their kids what they're going through so that kids feel they have an outlet of a parent who knows how to listen and support. That's kind of really crucial now. That's still being a supporter, learning how to do that. I think that is even more important now yeah. than ever. Yeah. And I could not agree more. I mean, I'll tell you that obviously when we were talking about setting up this interview, I mean, and, you know, you kind of mentioned to me how some of your clients are kind of seeing an increase in some of this. And, you know, oftentimes in life, we can just kind of go on autopilot, right? We can just go about our days and, and it, cause it takes work to work on those things that we were taught that are ingrained in who we are. And, you know, maybe things are just kind of smoothing, like smooth sailing in our family, but, you know, mm -hmm. global pandemic aside, you just never know when there's going to be some sort of hiccup in your life. And it could be something so massive as what we're dealing with today, or it could be something much smaller in the four walls of your own home. And I just think it's so important for parents to have support from you or, you know, people in this industry so that they understand how to do exactly what it is that we're going to talk more about, but how, how they can just help support their children. Because, 
you just never know when, when mayhem's going to hit. You never know when you're going to be faced with these difficult times. And so it's so important as parents that we start this foundation now versus waiting until we're kind of in the thick of it. And now we're, you know, we're taking on a lot of fear and a lot of stress and a lot of just other things from outside sources. And now we're trying to work on all these other things with our family and all these other ways that we parent and become the supporter and, you know, all these challenges that we had no clue even existed. And, and, you know, there's a thing about um, telling kids what to do that, like a lot of parents know that being a director, I need to make sure my kids their homework, do their chores. So that seems very natural, like I'm supposed to do that, right? Um, and some parents are better at it than others. But And then some parents kind of, okay, I want to do problem solving with my kids. You know, I need to be the collaborator. I need to know that. But the issue of learning how to be an emotional support to a child struggling is very, very foreign to almost all parents I work with. And I had to learn it. I didn't have a clue. My daughter, my daughter now, I didn't but she's 31, um, married, and uh, maybe in a couple of years she'll have her own kids. But to, I had to really learn how to be her support because she had some really difficult times from some other kids in school. And so it forced me to, to learn how to be there for her when she was struggling because we have so many kids that can't go to their parents, mm-hmm. right? This has been going on for a long time. We've got suicide and other issues and um, other problems. And so I feel that not like the parents are responsible for how their children are. We can't control them. However, parents can learn the language that will be helpful for their kids to hear and language that isn't helpful. And that's what I hope we can kind of touch on today, you know, how to not block communication because kids really need to know I really wanted to be a parent that my daughter, when things were hard, when she was away and at college, that she felt when things were really difficult that she could actually call me. And I would be able to respond to her in a way that she felt um, heard and respected and supported. Yeah. Well, and the one thing I'll say before we, we jump into, you know, to going into more of like the supporter role, and then obviously we'll get into our role plays, but <clears throat> it's... I just for the parents out there, and I know you can attest to this too, like this takes time. Like this isn't something where you try it once and then it works. Like this takes time and, you know, you having the time to reflect and to evaluate. And so even just reading a book and doing it, I think is one thing, but reading a book and having somebody there, that third party person, that's really assisting you and, in, in and is that sounding board when things go wrong and that cheerleader when things go right? I just think that's what takes it to the next level because there's just so many things. Like I read books all the time and I, I try to do the things that it tells me to do. But if I had, you know, Brene Brown sitting next to me teaching me how to be vulnerable in certain moments, I'm sure I would be a, a lot more of a well-rounded, you know, individual. And so as we go through this role play, I just want, those listeners out there as they're thinking like, oh, you know, that wouldn't work. Or, uh, you know, I don't know if I could do that with my child. I just want to let you know, like, yeah, you're probably right. Like the first time it's probably not going to work, but if you have consistency and a sounding board and somebody who's helping assist you through this, 
Like right. this, these types of conversations can exist in your family and can exist in your life. It just takes time to learn a new skill. And that's what it is. It's learning a new skill of how to communicate with our kids. And yeah, and being willing to say, I'm going to be the one to change. Yeah. So that's, I can only work with parents who, who stop saying my child needs to change if only they would instead of what do I do differently? Because we've got the parent-child equation. On one side of the equation is what the parent feels, thinks, says, and does. And then on the other, child, the other side is what the child thinks, feels, says, and does. And we have influence over our kids. We don't have control, but we do have influence. And over and over again, I've seen where parents make changes, and they'll tell me, oh, my gosh, you know, they, they made a change because I recommended it. And they didn't quite believe in it, but then they saw a change in their child. And, and I just want to make one other comment, Sarah, about when you were saying about getting an outside perspective. I'm working with this couple, and I'm also, I, today I worked separately with um, the husband, and I'm going to work with the mom separately. And, you know, he was able to just say to me, okay, just tell me straight from what you've heard. And I've been working with him about two and a half months now. From what you've heard, tell me, you know, what is it where I'm on track and where I'm off track? Hmm. And it was so great because, you know, I, I have no judgment about parents, whether you're good or bad. I don't even think about that. I just think about, well, this is working. This isn't working. Why don't you try this? And he was so appreciative. You know, I was saying also things about words that he was saying that might be triggering his wife and talking to his wife about communication blocks. And, and he was just taking diligent notes. And at the end, he had a couple things, you know, that he's going to be focusing on. Mm. And yet he could no way figure that out on his own. Right. Well, and how, how could you, you know, like, I think it's as parents, we just have to get into, you know, what, what's going on in our four walls? What are we struggling with and who can we reach out to for help? Because mm -hmm. it's not easy. And I think it's remarkable to hear you say that a client says that, like just for them to realize and get to that point, like, okay, there's obviously an equation. There's a part of this equation that I am, you know, uh, I'm affecting. So why don't you tell me what I can do to change it and hopefully get the outcome that I want? And I just think that that's a good a testament to what you do and what you can offer parents. And what was so beautiful about this is the wife, they came and heard me speak at a school. And that's where they first learned about me. And she's been wanting to get help for them for many, many years. And he didn't want to, but he liked, he heard me speak and he liked me and I was an, an educator. And it took about two months of us working about every week. We'd have a one hour call before he was like he just all of a sudden really opened up and was able to really trust and do that self-reflection. So when he was doing that with me, it was really, really beautiful. It made me feel so proud of the mm. work that I do that this person trusted and would start to self-reflect and make changes. So it was very exciting. Now I'm going to talk to the wife tomorrow. That's <laughs> so good. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. It's nice to know you can alleviate some stress for parents because this parenting thing is is very difficult. I don't care who you are. <laughs> oh, it was so hard for me. You know, I went to my own parenting coach. I was studying it while I was raising my daughter, taught classes, and I went to my own coach. It was like I needed an outside perspective as well. And and I and I also want to say to parents, oh, 
I work with parents and they wait till their kids are like 13 and the problem's been going on for six, seven years. And they kept hoping it would get better. By the time your kids are 13, it's tough to make changes. I work with some parents that are teenagers and I'll do that. But if parents can start when their kids five, six, seven, eight, yeah. nine, because during that time when they're young, they still really look to their parents um, and they really want to have great relationships. If you have a um, going up to 13 years where it's been a stressful, difficult relationship where trust has been broken over and over again, it's more difficult to repair. I, I wouldn't say it's impossible. Um, you know, I do work with parents of teens and even young adults, but I just want to encourage parents, please don't keep waiting and hoping your kids will outgrow it. Yeah. <laughs> it's change. Okay, well, why don't you introduce us to, um, I guess, a little bit deeper of the supporter role, and then we'll jump right into our role plays, where I'm going to play the child, and you're going to play an adult. Does that sound good? Yes, that sounds good. Okay. Okay, Uh, I really wanted to talk about the third role, the supporter. I mentioned the director telling kids what to do, the collaborator, problem solving together. Supporter is when it's their problem to solve. Friendship is one issue, but in this um, role play, I want to talk about when kids are expressing their hurt feelings or negative feelings about having to be at home and what's going on with the pandemic. And so we're going to be doing the first kind of two steps. The first step of being a supporter, all of this is in my book, Ally Parenting. So step by step. So if you like what you're hearing, you go, oh, just go Amazon Ally Parenting by Cynthia Klein, and it's all in there. Okay. So the first thing is when a child, or this applies to a a friend or an adult, if they express some negative feelings they're having, is how we respond either opens up and keeps communication going or it blocks communication because there's some sort of an underlying message that they hear We might not know about it, but in some way, they feel it. So um, we're going to be going through the skit and going to be showing some blocks. Like one of the blocks we're going to be doing is called placating. And this is when your child's upset and you want to try to make them feel better by saying things to take away their feelings. Another um, might be if you're like being a know-it-all, if your child is, saying about uh, how they're feeling and you're acting as though you understand them and you know them. Mm. And if the underlying message is like placating is like, you shouldn't have those feelings. I don't want to have your feelings. Even though you're trying to make them feel better, if they, if they get the message of you shouldn't have those feelings, don't have those feelings, and you don't know what you're feeling, the child starts to doubt themselves and they shut down. So we're going to be, we're going to do a role play where I'm going to be using some communication blocks with you. And okay. then the second step, we're going to be another role play. We're going to go through it again, the same role play, and I'll be explaining it why it was a block so you can also hear why it was. And then we're going to go through it again, and what I'm going to be doing is instead of blocking you, I'm going to be using what's called empathetic phrases. This is um, just where I'm just trying to respond so in tentative ways just to allow you space to keep venting and express. So this whole point is I just want my child to feel that I'm there for them, hearing them, not trying to make them feel better. 
Um, so that's what we're going to be trying. Okay. So I think it'll be fun. Well, just so you know, in my previous job, I used to have to do role plays all the time because I taught a sales class. But uh-huh. I don't know how well I am over a podcast, but we'll try. I've got my script, so we'll see how okay. I do. Are you ready for okay. me? I am ready. Okay. All right. Go ahead, chat. I'm the child. Okay. I want to see my friends. I'm so tired of being home. I'm missing the field trip too. I'll never get to go on it. Oh, I know this is hard, but we need to make the best of it. You don't understand. You never had this happen to you. No, no, you know, I didn't have this happen to me. It hasn't been too bad, has it? We've had some fun, too. You never listened to me. When is this going to be over? Oh, honey, I know it's hard for you. Let's think of how you can gather your friends together over Zoom. I don't want to do it over Zoom. I miss seeing my friends. I'm just trying to help. I don't want your help. Okay. <laughs> okay. What did you, do you have any input you want to say before we go on about that, Sarah, about how that felt to you, what I was saying? Yeah, I, well, sadly, it feels really familiar. Not that I've had these conversations with Grayson yet, because he's obviously much younger, but it just kind of feels like a natural conversation. I've either see displayed in movies or displayed um, friends or my own experience where it sounds like the adult is is trying to find like the silver lining on things and trying to fix what's happening, um, mm-hmm. which I think is our natural reaction. Like I for sure do this just in general. I try to fix things where I think maybe what the child is asking for without having the words to do it is just for their feelings to be allowed to be felt. Okay. Yes. And so let's go through it again and you'll do, you'll say your part and then I might make a comment about it to help clarify it. Okay. Perfect. Are you ready? Yes. Ready. I want to see my friends. I'm so tired of being home. I'm missing that field trip too. I'll never get to go on it. Okay, so right here, I would think is a, a, like, oh, so let me clarify. A lot of times when I work with parents, I ask them to write out a script of what they said to a child. Okay. And that way they write out the script. And so I might get this script from the parent, and then this is how I would respond to help them understand why what they were saying wasn't working. So here I would say, listening to you, that you are in an emotional state. What's called the limbic system is the emotional part of the brain, and you are in an emotional state. And so when that a child is emotion, then they can't be logical. And so the first thing is realize they're emotional. You don't want to be logical in result. Okay? Mm. So then the adult, I said in response to you, I know this is hard, but we need to make the best of it. So this is, again, like, this is like placating. So I'm trying to be empathetic because I say the word I know. However, when you say I know to somebody, like I know how you feel, that can feel like a know-it-all. That can feel like Mm. know about you and you don't know about you, like I'm analyzing you. Okay. And then what I said, I said I know this is hard, but we need to make the best of it. I put in the word but, 
And when you do an empathy at the beginning, I was trying to, I know this is hard, and then I put the word but, everything I say after that is more important, but we need to make the best of it. Mm. So sense of empathy gets lost when you put the but in there. Yeah. And then I moralize some, you know, and I give advice. So it's packed full of a whole bunch of communication blocks that does not make you feel heard and connected to. Yeah. Well, and even just saying, even if you didn't say, but, and you just said, we need to make the best of it. It's kind of like, well, you're not really acknowledging the bigger issue, which is, you know, this, this amount of fear this child must be feeling because their life has completely changed. Exactly. Pushing it aside. Yeah. Pushing it aside. Yeah. Okay, the next one. You don't understand. You never had this happen to you. No, I didn't have this happen to me. It hasn't been too bad, has it? We've had some fun, too. So here, you know, it's good that the adult did admit that they haven't had it happen again to themselves. But again, there's a lot of this particular parent that we're role-playing, feels a real need to make their child feel better. They probably feel helpless, right? They don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Their child's upset, and so they're trying their best to make them feel better. But it's not working, is it? Right, no. Well, and I think it's, I almost don't even think that it's terrible. I just think before this, again, I'm not an expert, but if they just would have allowed more time for the emotion to kind of be out in the open and for the child to talk about it, maybe this sentence wouldn't be too terrible. It just is that it's just another way of shutting the child down. Exactly. So your point is really great because words that we say, a lot of times it's when they're said as well. So Mm -hmm. you're right. So if the child had been listened to already, and heard, then you might be able to say, well, you know, then you might be able to go to the positive. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, here's the next one. Um, you never listen to me. When is this going to be over? Okay. So right away, <laughs> the child says you never listen to me, and that word never is a real trigger, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The parent's probably thinking, I do listen to you. And so it's going to be really hard for the parent to not become defensive. Okay, first of all. Um, And so here the parent responds, I am listening to you. Let's think of how you can gather your friends together over Zoom. Uh, So, you know, like you didn't feel heard because you told me that. So you told me I don't listen to you and I say I am listening. Mm. So there's a disconnect. Yeah. I will say the word never is a trigger for me too. Like Grayson for sure at times will say, you never do this. I mean, he's pretty young, but I'll get very defensive, whether it's something I say out loud or just an emotion I feel inside. But I for sure get defensive when, when it's just not true. (laughs) You know, like I feel like I do, I do those things, maybe not a hundred percent of the time, but I do. Right. And the tricky part is when somebody's saying that in that moment, it feels like it. They're mm-hmm. feeling so hurt. And so the tricky part is to not respond to that never and to just acknowledge that they're feeling some sort of hurt. And that's the tricky part. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't want to do it over Zoom. I miss seeing my friends. Okay. And so what's interesting about 
this is I made a suggestion to do it over Zoom, and you might think it's a great suggestion, but you're just not going to hear it from me, are you? No. <laughs> well, so, and I think, you know, just like I'm defensive over the word never, this child's defensive over the, you know, many times that they have expressed frustration and there hasn't been a, a place for them to really talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the parent responds with, I'm just trying to help. So now the parent feels frustrated and helpless and in just then the wall goes up between the, the parent and the child. And this is what I love to help parents about the communication blocks. When I learned about this, which we're going to now do a better way of responding, when I learned when somebody's expressing their upset, how to respond in a way that helps them keep talking about it so they feel heard, it opened up all of my relationships. Mm. Do it, you make difference? Sorry, yeah. do you suggest that people don't ever even say that sentence that I'm just trying to help sentence? Or like do you can you think of a time where that actually even I can picture myself saying that in times and I feel like that response is just so I guess passive in a way it's like my way of being like you're unhelpable and I'm I just really want to help you but you just clearly can't use my help yeah that's an interesting I'm just trying to help it's like there it's a total disconnect like they're saying this what you're doing is not helping and then the, the person saying I'm just trying to help is totally in their own world yeah you're not at you're not at all available. So you're trying to make excuses. Parents make a lot of excuses for what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a child gets mad at them. You're always yelling at me. And the parent says, well, if you picked up your, you know, clothes as soon as I told you to, I wouldn't get mad at you. Mm. This is kind of the same thing. It's like the child's trying to give us information. And we're all people, right? We've got emotions like everybody. And then becoming defensive. And this is a big thing that happens like when you're trying to help kids with homework. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm so thankful I don't have to do that, by the way. Kudos to all the parents who are in in the thick of that right now. So that same statement, if the parents are trying to help the kids and the kids say, that's not right or that's not the way it's done or the teachers aren't doing it, and the tendency of the parents, well, I'm just trying to help, it, it builds up a wall. Yeah, I can imagine. Okay, and then the child responds with, I don't want your help. Right. <laughs> so at this point. <laughs> everyone hurt, everyone feeling bad, and the parents going, what happened? Like, yeah. I, you know, my child's hurting. I love my child. I'm trying to be there for them. I'm trying to make them feel better. And it's just blown up in my face. Yeah. You know, I would challenge anybody who's listening to this to write down as much as I can verbatim the last time something like this has happened where there's been like this conversation that just never gets resolved because even as we go through this, I'm kind of like, well, maybe it didn't happen exactly like that. Like in my own experience with certain things, I think you'd be pretty surprised. Like this is pretty spot on of like how we as parents want to fix it. We want to, you know, assert ourselves to help, address the problem and make it go away. But the bigger problem is that we're not taking the time to really let our kids have the feelings that they're having. And it could be, you know, something in response to this pandemic, or it could be something in response to something totally different. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, this is, I feel like even just as you broke this down, I could see in my mind where when we first read it, I didn't think anything of the, like, I'm just trying to help response. But now uh-huh. as we read it slower, I'm kind of like, wow, that's kind of a, a crummy thing for me to say. Cause what is my point I'm trying to get across? Like, that's really just a selfish term for me. Like if I'm saying I'm just trying to help, that's my way of giving myself kudos, even though it's breaking down. Exactly. Like you should understand me. Right. It's not about, so you know what? I just had a thought, Sarah, you just mm-hmm. made a wonderful suggestion asking parents to write down a dialogue like this. So any parent who does, and I give a free 45 minute um, consultation over zoom to anybody who wants it. If they contact me and want to through my website and want a free session and we could go over that with them and I could help them analyze. Cool. I love that. That's really cool. Okay. okay, so now what we're going to okay. do is I'm going to be, you're going to start out with the same phrase. I'm going to respond differently. I'm going to try to be empathetic. Now, I'm not doing what's called reflective listening. Reflective listening is when you're um, saying back to the child what you hear them saying. That is something you do when you're actually farther on and you're doing problem solving. You don't do that when you're just, right now, I'm just giving them space to vent. So there's a real big difference between empathetic and reflective listening. Okay. Okay, see how this goes. Okay. I just want to see my friends. I'm so tired of being home. I'm missing the field trip too. I'll never get to go on it. These times are really hard. Or I could say, you seem pretty upset about what you can't do. Okay. So you're saying just that simple statement, like these times are really hard. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. letting like space there so your child can fill in the next statement. Exactly. And okay. that's like for a thinker. So I'm not taking saying feelings or I say you seem pretty upset about what you can't do. That's like for a feeler. I say you seem, and that's all I say. I just say one phrase and I stop. Okay. Okay. Here's the child's response. Yes, it's awful. And it isn't fair then I have to wear a mask too. So you see here, the child is elaborating more mm-hmm. because I haven't shut them down. Yeah. So as an adult, I could just respond, it is awful. Um, or I could also say, um, yeah, basically, it's just awful. Just, I'm not judging it. I'm not saying you should feel this way. You shouldn't feel that way. I'm just giving space. Okay. Wow. I feel like that's hard for parents to do. Well, let me, let me back up. I feel like that's hard for me to do. <laughs> I sometimes want to feel, feel the silence. Um, and so I think this would take a lot of work on my part of just being able to let that space kind of sit there. Yes, it does. And during this time, the child might cry. They might need a hug. Let's say that, you know, they do. You're just there. This is a big, it was a big challenge for me. I never had this done to me. So I didn't know how, but I, I was so determined to have a great relationship with my daughter. So if your child starts to cry, gets upset, just put, you know, put your arms around them. I'm here for you. Um, the, the parent could say, we'll get through this together. That's one possibility. Um, after, but really it's just letting them, what are, what other, um, thoughts do you think a child might express? Well, and I think 
I mean, I don't know. I mean, it depends, right? I mean, it could be this, you know, pandemic. So it could be like virtual learning is really frustrating to them. Maybe they're have an increase on some sort of social media platform. So they're getting bullied in a way that they weren't before. Um, Mm -hmm. They, you know, they had a crush and the crush now likes someone else because, you know, they don't see him every day. Like it just could be some of the most biggest things or some of the smallest things. And I think if you just let that space be there, who knows? Cause even the response of like, then I have to wear a mask too. Like as a parent, I would almost, I know this is going to sound terrible. Like I'm a bad parent, but I would almost roll my eyes on that. Like you don't really have to wear a mask unless you're out in public and we can avoid being out in public. Right. Like I guess I should speak from more of like, in my situation, Grayson and I can avoid being out in public. So that response for, in my situation might feel like more of an eye roll, but that might not even be the real issue. Like wearing the masks is just the child verbalizing a different way. I hate this pandemic. I hate what this has done to my life. It's not that they actually have to wear a mask. It's just that they now are missing out on things that they were really looking forward to and they're associating it with wearing a mask because that's their physical, tangible thing that they're doing with this current climate. And what I love is the idea of the eye rolling. So that we have to be so careful of our judgment because a lot mm. of parents feel that's not such a big deal. Why are you so upset about it? We All of these thoughts can be going on inside of our head that are judgmental and putting down what the child's expressing. And just be mindful about that. Be aware that, my God, right now I'm being judgmental. I'm not a bad. I don't like bad or good parent. Just that's what's happening, and I need to put that aside. So I might respond, it's hard wearing a mask. Or, you know, it's it's uncomfortable. It's kind of hard to breathe. Yeah. So give more space for them to vent or about the field trip. You know, you were really looking forward to going on the field trip. I know fifth graders, a lot of them, you know, out here go on the field trip. So the idea is you want to give them space. So you know what it does? It builds trust. Like Mm. the child learns that I can express what's going on. My parent or adult or whomever, grandparent, knows how to listen, not criticizing me, not trying to make me feel different. Then after the venting's over with, you might be able to get to the point of kind of discussing ideas. Yeah. Like, you know, okay, honey, well, um, you know, would you, would you like to talk about what to do about any of these issues you brought up? Would you ever and, suggest like, um, sorry, when you were saying like the mask thing and you were like, yeah, masks are uncomfortable as the, as the adult's response would you ever say like, what about it? What about the masks bother you the most? Like what about that is making you uncomfortable or making you upset? Absolutely. Because if if your child trusts you and they talk about it more, because they can talk about it if they know that you're, you value what they're saying and maybe you're going to help them find a solution. Okay. Because we don't want to feel powerless. There's, you know, right, this uh, this pandemic, we, we can't fix that overall, right? But what can we do as individuals to feel like we have power? Yeah. So I want to read what I had down here for option two, like okay. moving on to problem. So what the adult could say, 
There are many challenges right now. Would you like to talk about ideas of what to do? And then the child says, okay, I just wish it wasn't so hard right now. Or the child might say, I'm okay now. And then I could say, me too. You mentioned about friends, the field trip, and math. Do you want to talk more about any of these? I guess we could talk about friends. Okay. Yeah. Any friends in particular. And then we would go into a, a kind, of, kind of like more of a, a problem-solving process. So they started out, they were venting. You uh, really worked on not doing blocks, like uh, giving advice placating, interrogating, a lot of blocks. I have a whole chart in my book. I love the blocks. I have a whole chart. You can understand all of them. And then we went through, I avoided blocks, used empathetic phrases to help the person, child vent. And this is all that I, what I teach parents. So they come to me with what I, they're saying, and I give them exact words to try instead. So then you feel confident. Mm -hmm. And then you're through with, okay, my child's venting. Then we can work on how do you actually do problem solving together where your child makes the final decision for a lot of their own personal problems. It's a beautiful experience to have with a child to just, ah, know what to say. And the more that you have an uh, incident happen and you write it down and you review it, then you can plan what you're going to do next time because situations come up over and over again. They're sure. never just one. Right? Sure. And then you can say, oh, okay, right in here, and that's where a parenting expert is really helpful. Okay, right here, you, you, know, you gave advice or you did placating, and this is why it was hurtful. Why don't you try this instead? And this is something on one's own. It's very difficult to do because we're only from our own perspective. Um, and so I really hope parents think about how can, I, how can I talk in a way that will open up bridges communication because this is what kids need right now more than anything they yeah. need school but they need more than anything to have a, a place where they can vent their frustrations that are going on yeah, after they've expressed all these hurt feelings it's hard to just be okay for sure now not all kids want to go through and discuss solutions together my daughter didn't and she still doesn't she's very independent and so she i didn't do a lot of discussing with her about different ideas I did a lot of the not blocking and the listening because that allowed her mind to clear. Because when you vent and the emotions come out of the limbic system with a good listener, then you can look at them, get the feelings out, and then it gives space for actual thinking to happen because the emotions come from the limbic system. Once they're released, then you can think. And so my daughter often did a lot of thinking on her own. Mm. <laughs> and she... <laughs> Continues to do that. She'll call me up about uh, a kind of decision she needs to make about something, okay? And she'll think, and she's not saying, she never says, Mom, what do you think I should do? No, that would not come out of my daughter's mouth. She kind of says, well, I'm trying to decide on this. And she'll say some things, and I just kind of might throw out a couple thoughts. I never say you should. Uh-uh. Mm. Oh, yeah. So she throw, you know, and then, and then she's kind of like, well, okay, thanks, and, and, then, and then she makes the decision. Mm -hmm. It's really... The you shoulds, those are hard. That's hard. I think as when we become parents, we just like instantly add that phrase into our daily Ooh. vocabulary of you should. I would, 
you should, you have to, I want you to. I have a whole list. I have a, a chapter in my book on strong-willed children because I know about them. <laughs> Things that are not effective. It's all about, it's not good or bad. It's all about what's effective. Am I getting the results I want or am I not? What's any, what language is ineffective or effective? So that's what I'm a master of is language and the Im- impact. Because I think that's from my own life. The language my mother used wasn't helpful, and I determined when I was a teenager that I was going to have a different relationship. So Mm. my book is really based on language. What's the words that you're using and what's the impact? And to understand that your words come from your thoughts and your feelings. Well, that book is called Ally Parenting, and I will link below a link to the book, um, also a link to the website and social media. So if you have any um, questions, or if you want to take advantage of what Cynthia offered for her 45 minute free consultation, please do that. Um, so you can find that on the link below wherever you're listening to podcast. Um, okay. And then before you go, just my one last question overall, out of all your experience, out of everything that you do every day to help parents, what's the one piece of advice you'd want to share with parents today? I would say to believe in your children and support them for whatever path they have to go through and encourage them because that's what they need from you. When they don't believe in themselves, they need you to believe in them and that will help them believe in themselves. Mm, Very good. Well, Cynthia, thank you so much for all your time. I look forward to people reaching out to you and hopefully taking advantage of your 45 minute free consultation. I know now more than ever, us parents need to really get that foundation going um, so we can have better conversations with our kids going forward. Absolutely. I, it's been a pleasure, Sarah. Thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. Now, if you're hooked, you can subscribe to this podcast, follow along on social media at The Mama Stories, or visit the website, mamastories.com. And mamas, I love you.